Did you know that there's one phase of sleep that almost everyone fails to get enough of? And this one phase of sleep is responsible for most of your body's daily rejuvenation, repair, controlling hunger, weight loss hormones, boosting energy, and so much more. I'm talking about deep sleep. And if you don't get enough, you'll probably always struggle with cravings, slow metabolism, premature aging, or even worse conditions. Why don't most people get enough of this one most important phase of sleep? A big reason is magnesium deficiency because over 80% of the population is deficient in magnesium. Now, before you go out and buy a magnesium supplement, it's important for you to understand that most products out there only have one to two forms of magnesium when the reality is your body needs all seven forms of this essential sleep mineral. That's why why I recommend Magnesium Breakthrough. Magnesium Breakthrough contains all seven forms of magnesium designed to help calm your mind and help you fall asleep, stay asleep, and wake up refreshed. Visit magnesiumbreakthrough.com slash Sean T and order now. In addition to the discount you get by using promo code Sean T, there are always amazing gifts with purchase. That's also why I love shopping at Buy Optimizers. Go now to magbreakthrough.com slash on t to get your magnesium breakthrough and find out this month's gift with purchase ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi mm. hello fresh Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to Trust and Believe. I'm your host, Shanti. Today, I'm just going to let you know we are going to be bright. We are going to bring peace and love to our life. But more importantly, we are going to help you live a life of abundance. We have the incredible Light Watkins on the show. He is a long-term meditation teacher and thought leader who has spoken and consulted at Fortune 500 companies around the world on topics of wellness, purpose, and enlightened leadership. He is the author of three bestsellers, The Inner Gym, Bliss More, and Knowing Where to Look, as well as the soon-to-be-released Travel Light Spiritual Minimalism to Live a More Fulfilled Life. Light has written a daily dose of inspiration emails to tens of thousands of subscribers. He is now the host of The Light Walking Show, which is a podcast that features the backstory of luminaries who've created platforms for social good. Get ready to trust and believe. This is Sean T and it's time to trust and believe. 
in that light, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Sean. It's so fun to be here and uh, be in your energy, bro. Thank you. All right, so I'm just going to keep it real. Before we started the show, Light told me that we crossed paths before. We're going to dive back deep into that, and then we're going to get into some other stuff. So give it to me again. I want the listeners to hear this. (laughs) (laughs) So I used to teach yoga back in like 2003, 4, 5 at this gym called Equinox in West Hollywood, California, which was like the hottest gym in L.A., and on a, I think it was like a Tuesday or Thursday night when I wasn't teaching, one of my favorite pastimes was to take this dance class, this hip hop dance class with this dude named Sean T. <laughs> and I think you had just come back from Broadway or something like that. You'd been dancing in some show and you would like leave and come back. So you weren't there a whole lot, but when you were there, it was just a completely different energy. And it, was, I, it always stuck with me your energy. So I'm not shocked at all or surprised by your success and, you know, your on-camera presence. Cause I've, I've seen that since, since back in those days. That is, first of all, that's so cool to hear. And I tell people all the time that that gym was so lit. I'm literally not surprised that you being at that gym, teaching at that gym, are now where you are today too. I don't know what it was about the energy at that gym the the instructors, whether it was the cycling, whether it was mm-hmm. yoga, the group exercise instructors, it was just like a really high level of commitment and committed, you know, teachers and group exercise instructors. And I think that everybody had like this sense of leadership about them that I'm not, you know, I'm not hating on today's people. I think people are wonderful, but we just like cultivated this, this really cool energy in that gym and so i'm just i'm super super happy to be talking to you today and i love <laughs> that i'm always me i'm always 100 authentically me but it's mm-hmm. really cool to know somebody that took my dance class because you know we were living our best lives in that <laughs> that's right <laughs> <laughs> oh man this is great all right so i have so many questions for you but i just want people to, to get to know you give us a little backstory on your journey getting to the place where you are today, where you are literally shedding light on the world and helping people be authentically them. And then we'll dive into like the nitty gritty and give people some amazing takeaways to help them trust and believe in who they are. So that gym where we met, where we crossed paths, that was the first Equinox in Los Angeles. And I think that's Mm -hmm. one of the reasons why they were able to draw, you know, top tier talent. But prior to that, I was living in New York City and I was in the fashion industry, I was modeling. And I remember wow. being at the first, the very first Equinox in the world on 76th Street in Amsterdam. I was working out because that's what you do as a model. You like, you know, go on castings and you go to the gym every day. And I remember doing shoulder presses one night and I saw these women congregating in front of the group exercise room and they were standing there barefoot with some rolled up rubber mats under their arms. I didn't know what the hell they were going to be doing in there, but my (laughs) hormones told me, follow them into that room and see what's going on. There's no guys, just you and about 25 beautiful women. (laughs) And so that's how I ended up in my very first yoga class. And that, that was a seed that was planted like, oh, wow, life is much bigger than just, you know, being a success in the fashion industry or whatever industry you happen to be in. 
And I started to delve into this sort of inner world. And through that, I got introduced to meditation. And then I decided, you know what? Modeling is great. I had a wonderful experience. I was all over the world, but I want to do something more purposeful with my life. So that's when I moved to Los Angeles and I sort of rebranded myself. I took a a yoga teacher training. I was meditating on a regular basis. And again, this is like 2002. So this was before everybody and their mother was a yoga teacher. I was like the only (laughs) black guy in the whole wellness space back then. And, um, And then a few years later, I went to India and I trained to become a meditation teacher. And I went all in on that, stopped teaching the yoga stuff and started teaching people from my West Hollywood apartment, giving mantras, showing people how to settle their mind and just having a lot of success with that. Then I did a TED talk in 2014, which led to a book, my first book in 2015. And then I just started writing and traveling the world, doing retreats and trainings. And what's interesting is, you know, coming from Alabama, which is where I grew up, it's just, it couldn't be further away from the Bible Belt culture, you know, growing yeah. up in the church and Christianity, nothing wrong with that, but it just never really fit in the way that the sort of spiritual lifestyle fit me. And then in 2018, I was living in, in, in Venice, two bedroom uh, apartment, 10 minutes walk from the beach, really beautiful area. And I got the call from inside to, to become a minimalist and to start nomading around the world. So I got rid of everything that was in my apartment and I moved into a carry-on bag and I started traveling and teaching and doing book tours and basically everything. I was dating, I was doing keynote talks, I was uh, going on hot air balloons, vacationing, everything from from a carry-on bag. And then about a year into that, I realized I still have too much stuff. I downsized. Wait, we gotta sl- we gotta slow down. We gotta slow down. I don't want to cut you off. There's too much here. There's too much here. I, okay. Okay. There's too much here. All right. So hold on to that because the most interesting, I think, challenging thing I did with a carry-on bag is my husband and I went an around-the-world trip with just a carry-on and a backpack. And we, we, for 40, I think it was like 43 days and we didn't have checked luggage. It was just that. So we're going to get to that in a minute. I know how hard that is. There's something that, there's something that happened along your journey that I think in today's time, every person is dealing with, and they may not even know it or recognize it at this moment, but you made a ridiculously amazing transition to a brand new life. And so let's, dive into the transition because there are so many people out there that are doing maybe something that they like or something that's making them money or something that's, you know, making them feel comfortable, but they want to be doing something else. So how did you transition from model fashion, you know, to meditation, teaching people all over the world to a tech talk, to a book and bestsellers. Like we, we need to drive into that first. <laughs> right, right, right. So, you know, I, okay. So let me go, go back a little further. I went to Howard university, Washington, DC, graduated in the mid nineties. So I just turned 50 years old. So I'm an old ass. Come on, black don't crack. That's, if you guys are not watching this on YouTube, just hop on over real quick. <laughs> you can see, you'll see. What's up? <laughs> <laughs> so my dream job was to work in advertising. Like I was hmm. studying advertising. 
I wanted to work in advertising. And then sure enough, I was able to secure a position as a junior art director at a boutique agency in Chicago right after college, which was great, cool. right? Yeah. And I got there and within about two months, I realized that the whole corporate thing, even though it was creative, even though it was, you know, there were really cool people, it just wasn't really what I felt like I wanted to do at, at that part of my life. And, and I, I figured that that was always going to be there. And so it was a big decision at the time, but I decided to just go away from that and start sort of traveling around. I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I started dabbling in modeling and I got rejected quite a bit because I didn't realize that you don't discover yourself. Somebody else discovers you. That's usually how it works. But I discovered myself. <laughs> I, I showed up at the agency and said, guys, I'm ready to model, you know, and, and got rejected by a lot of them. And then finally, I was able to get representation. How do you deal one. with the rejection? How, like, how well, that's the, that's the interesting thing about it. I was so young and naive. I didn't really know what I was doing. I figured everybody got rejected like this. And so by the time I got into the industry, I realized that, oh, the way I got in was, was, was unconventional. Mm. And normally, you know, someone comes up to you in the mall and says, hey, you know, you should model. I have, I'm a scout for an agency or something like right. that. But what I, what I realized in hindsight is that idea to move away from the advertising job and into the fashion stuff was like an inner calling. I didn't have the language for it at the time. I think I had just read the book Celestine Prophecy, which is all about, you know, synchronicity and coincidence. Mm -hmm. And that was one of my inspirations back then. And I had this really interesting experience that you, 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 your audience, I think, will appreciate. And it'll kind of help them understand how I was able to do the other things I did. So when I was at this smaller modeling agency in Chicago, where my advertising agency was, I met this agent from Paris. He was with the, the top agency in Paris. I think it was called PH1. And they had a bunch of models come and meet this guy. He was just posted up in the, in the, in the local modeling agency meeting potentially new talent. And so I showed him my portfolio. And he flipped through it really quickly. And he said, you would do well in Paris. And that was it. And I got up and I left. And what I heard was, you should come to Paris. You're going to be a star, right? Again, <laughs> I was naive. <laughs> Exactly. I didn't realize at the time that if he really thought I would do well in Paris, he would have said, I'm going to bring you to Paris. I'm going to set you up in this apartment. I'm going to send you out on castings, blah, blah, blah. I didn't exactly. even get a business card from the guy, right? But I had it in my mind that I was meant to go to Paris. This is clearly not working out. I'm getting rejected by everybody. Maybe Paris is my market. So I decided to take the last of my savings. I bought a one-way ticket to Paris, didn't speak the language, I didn't have any appointments. I had a connecting flight through Newark, New Jersey. I get to Newark and the gate is packed with French natives and I'm standing there with my duffel bag. This was all of my life's possessions. So this was actually the very first time I went nomadic. I was, I was waiting for the flight and then they came on the loudspeaker and said, we oversold the flight. Oh, uh, we need people to, to, to volunteer to give up their seats. Nobody budged. They said, okay, we'll give you $500 if you give up your seat. I jumped up like I was on fire <laughs> and gave up my seat because no one was expecting me anyway. Now I had $500 to potentially oh, fly back. Yes. Yeah. So there was only one flight a day. I came back the next day. They put me up in a hotel, came back the next day. Same song, second verse. 
We need volunteers to give up their seat. We're oversold the flight. I got another five hundred dollar voucher. Let's go. Okay. So now I got a thousand dollars. I'm thinking I could just do this for a living. I, I don't even have to make it to Paris. <laughs> I showed up a third night. It was the same thing. We need volunteers. No. And I literally got the last seat on the flight. So wow. I end up in Paris and I go to this guy's agency at like nine in the morning. We landed at eight. I got there, I don't know, maybe it was 10 o'clock in the morning with my portfolio. He was out of town. Okay. So they said, give us your portfolio. They took it to the back, came back within about a minute and said, oh, we have somebody that looks like you. You know, you can try these other agencies. So again, I had already been rejected by everybody in Chicago. So I figured, okay, this is how it goes. You just get rejected. You keep going, blah, blah, blah. I'm in the lobby of that agency. This big black guy is, is speaking French to these two French models. And he's looking at me. And then he finally walks over to me. And I'm thinking to myself, please don't speak to me in French because I don't know French. <laughs> and he speaks to me in perfect American English. And he says, mm. hey, you're from Chicago, right? And I said, I said, yeah, I, I was just in Chicago. He goes, yeah, I remember you. I was, I'm from Chicago. I'm a photographer. I was in your little agency in Chicago. I remember seeing your picture. I never forget a face. He says, what happened here? Did they, did they sign you? And I said, I said, no, no, they rejected me, actually. He said, okay, follow me. And so we walk out of that door of the agency, and on the same hallway, in the same building, on the same floor, we walk down to the next office, and there was another agency right there that I didn't know about. And apparently he was friends with all these guys. So he was going to introduce me to another agent. So we walk into that other office. And as soon as I walk in, I see this girl from behind and she turns around and it's a girl that I knew from Howard from college. She goes, yeah. oh, my God, what are you doing here? And I said, I just got here a couple of hours ago. I'm, I'm here to, to model. She goes, Oh my God, where are you staying? I, was, I don't have a place to stay yet. And she was <laughs> with a friend great. of hers whose mom had just left town for three months. And he said, you can stay at my mom's place. And she happened to live in one of the best areas of Paris. My, the guy introduced me to this agent who started sending me out on a cast. And, and that's basically what really got my modeling career started was taking that leap of faith. And so when I reflected back on it, I realized that Everything sort of worked out in the way that it was supposed to work out. Me volunteering my seat, me showing up and getting rejected, me being open to this conversation, me allowing this guy to introduce me to other people, and then me running into this girl. Like it's it just it was so synchronistic. It was like when the universe smacks you across the head with a two by four and says, Look, yes. all you have to do is listen to your heart, man. And and so from there. When I got the call to leave New York and go to Los Angeles, I already knew that I had to do that because it was the same. You know, when you follow your heart enough, you start to you start to become conversational in the feeling tone of the heart. But you have yeah. to follow it in order to to get to that point. Otherwise, it just sounds like a bunch. It's, I'm in Mexico right now and I'm learning Spanish. And sometimes I'll be with, you know, in a store and somebody will start speaking to me and they're speaking so fast. I kind of know what they're saying, but not really. But I'll end up accidentally asking for something that I didn't want or accepting <laughs> something, you know, and yeah. I have to go back and clean it up later. But that's what it feels like when you're not accustomed to following those internal nudges. It's confusing. You don't really know, is this what I should do or not do? But right. once you start becoming more intentional about doing that, you become more conversational. You recognize that feeling. Okay, 
my heart is telling me I have to leave this apartment and move to a new apartment. Oh, but I really like this apartment. Oh, I really like this area. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you like that relationship, if you like that job, if you like that whatever. If it's coming from inside of you and it feels aligned with who and what you are right now, not who you were 10 years ago, but who you are right now, then it's going to be in your best interest to follow it. And when you follow it, you're going to set into motion a chain of really adventurous things happening and serendipitous things. If you don't follow it, what I've found in my life is that you set into motion a chain of very dramatic, chaotic events. Mm -hmm. So you're either choosing drama by ignoring it or you're choosing adventure by following it. There is no neutral path. We're all trying to look for the neutral path where everything is certain and comfortable. That doesn't exist. So if you have enough life experience to get to the point where, you know, you recognize, okay, this is my heart talking to me. I'm going to follow this thing. Then, then it's going to create more fun stories that are always going to start with something told me to dot, 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 go to Paris, go to LA. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from everything iconic, ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget. Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. You saw me in Los Angeles. I got there the same exact way that you just explained. Not obviously my experiences and and what happened was different, but it was literally just that. It was like, this is how I feel. This feels really good. This feels aligned with what what my passion feels and my heart feels. I'm going to do it. And that's why even today, it's literally how I do everything. I'm like, if I don't feel it, I'm not doing it. And I love how you you really explain that. If like, if you ignore it, you're choosing drama because that is really what happens. You did say with enough life experiences, you'll be able to kind of like navigate your way through making a better decision. But I feel like people's minds are clouded with so many things that I don't want to say they chose the wrong path, but you know, like you said, there's no neutral path, but they've they made decisions that weren't in their best interest, that they're in the process of really having a hard time to see through the clouds because they're constantly trying to clean up the mess. We know that people are trying to live a neutral life and there is not that. So how do you help them clear the fog, if you will? My most recent book, Travel Light, which is spiritual minimalism, spiritual minimalism to live a more fulfilled life. So what that means is... Okay, let's break it down. Minimalism means usually what we think when we think about that term, we we think about it in terms of external environment. Let me clear out the clutter in my external environment. And then hopefully from doing that, I will feel a greater sense of peace within. Mm. But that's not really how it works, right? If you're miserable inside and you get rid of your couch and your coffee table, you're going to be a miserable person without a couch and a coffee table. It's not going to translate to sustained inner peace. You may have peace for a day or maybe two days, but eventually you're going to get back to where your internal state 
baseline is, okay? Right. So spiritual minimalism is essentially the practice of minimalism from the inside out. What it's saying is cultivate peace inside first, mm. and then as a consequence of that, you will have more informed choices externally. So instead of having to deliberate, should I take this job or that job? And what are you basing it on really? The salary. Or if they have a pool table and a bean bags or you know, something external. Right, instead right. of listening, tuning in to what your heart is saying. If your heart is saying, hey, that job would be a great outlet for the creativity that you have. That job would be a great outlet for the fulfillment that you have inside versus that other job that looks like it would be a great outlet from the outside, but really there are all kinds of signals that that is a soul sucking position and that mm -hmm. those people are not your people. They're not, they're not operating in the same alignment and frequency that you're operating in. And if you can't catch those subtle cues, you may end up going for the glittery option that ends up being the soul sucking experience versus maybe the job that pays a little bit less, but it's a job that's more in alignment with what you're, where you are in your life at this moment in time. So spiritual minimalism means the answers are inside of you, but you have to clear the internal clutter. You have to mm. clear out the internal clutter in order to be able to hear those answers. And we all have access to them. What we call it is the still small voice. It's so still and it's so small and it's so quiet and you have to get, you have to like turn off the TV and, and get quiet in order to hear it. And there are all these other voices that are competing with that still small voice, which is again, why it could be very difficult to hear and to follow. And that's another thing we don't realize is that we're inundated by voices of our parents, our grandparents, society, culture, the news, you know, teachers, coaches, everybody that you've consumed or been around in your life, those voices are inside of you potentially. And they're all shouting different things, telling you what's right, what's wrong, what success means, what happiness looks like, who you should be with, all these different things. And the still small voice is really just, just prompting you in the direction of your path and your purpose. So to answer your question, what I recommend people do if this philosophy resonates with you, this spiritual minimalism, this inside out philosophy resonates with you, I recommend that you have to split test those voices until you okay. can hone in on the real voice of your heart, the real heart voice. And you may yeah. have to do this maybe hundreds of times. And what I mean by split testing is for those of you who've worked with internet marketers, you've had to run Google ads or Facebook ads, the best ones, what they do is they split test ads. They put up two versions of the same ad, but with different background colors. And they see which one gets the most clicks. And then they change the headline. And then they change the photo. And then they change the caption. And by doing all these different split tests, A-B testing, they'll get the most optimized version of the ad. And so for our internal heart voice, if you think it's your heart voice, because it's telling you to do something that's kind of challenging you a little bit and helping you stretch into your potential, that could be your heart voice, or maybe maybe not. Maybe it's your ego disguised as your heart voice. In any yeah. case, follow it, see how it makes you feel. If you feel expansive as a result of moving in that direction, right, mm. then that was probably your heart voice. And then you keep doing that 
hundreds of times, and eventually you'll become more conversational in the language of your heart voice. Oftentimes when people gain a lot of weight, right? Mm -hmm. If it's not a medical issue, like something is going on with their insides and they're choosing to have the lifestyle that's going to help them gain weight, you know, I tell them, they're like, I can't lose weight. I can't lose weight. And I'm like, you know, it's really not about the weight. It's about the baggage you carry in your life. Because it's like these things are just in a way of you wanting to have that motivation. I'm not a big believer in you should have a six pack or you should be skinny or I don't think that you should be any said weight. But the minute you say, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm overweight. I'm like, it's not about the weight. It's about the baggage you carry in your life. So let's talk about the baggage that you carried in your life, but more importantly, how you minimize the baggage to the point where you had a backpack and you were still thriving. Honestly, you know me, one of the things I'm most interested in is how you were dating and you only had a backpack. We could talk about that later. That's more of a fun topic, but take me on the process of how, while most people are not going to say, Hey, I'm giving up my apartment. I'm giving up my house. I'm giving up my car whatever. How do you process the process of becoming a minimalist and, and really, you know, almost being fearless about it in a way? So, okay. One thing I recognized early on um, from taking those leaps of faith is that the thing that people don't really understand about following their heart is that the heart is never going to prompt you in a direction that's going to make you more comfortable. Okay. Mm. It's going to stretch you in the same way that if you hire a trainer at the gym or you take one Can of your beach say, body I, I, courses. I love you. I'm cutting you off. Oh my gosh. I love you. Like, I love you. I'm going to say it here. I'm, it's, it's amazing. Sorry. Keep going. I just love it. <laughs> no, but it, it's real, man. Like, that's what, that's what following the heart actually feels like. You mentioned before, you hire a trainer. You tell the trainer your goal. The go trainer's not going to give you the goal. The trainer's not going to say, hey, you need to have a six-pack. Trainer's going to say, what do you want to accomplish? Oh, I want to lose weight. I want to fit into this dress, or I want to get muscular, or whatever. Okay? When do you want to get it done by? Uh, within six months or within a year or within a, within 30 days. Okay. So depending on your goal that you stated for yourself, the trainer is going to implement a program for you. And guess what? That program is not going to make you comfortable when you walk up in that gym. <laughs> it's going to make you anything but comfortable. And like that, you have a vision for your life. You have a path. And deep, deep, deep down when when you're in your most peaceful state, you can see it for yourself and it gives you a feeling tone of, of expansion, right? When you think about the possibilities, maybe it's being a keynote speaker. Maybe it's having your podcast. Maybe it's writing your first book. Maybe it's having a family one day or starting your tech company or whatever it is, right? But in the spiritual world, from the spiritual perspective, this is, this is what really surprised me that vision is not your vision. It's not from you. That is a vision that was assigned to you from the universe. Now, why would the universe give someone like you a vision like that that's so different from where you may be right now? Knowing you don't have the resources, knowing you look around, you know, you may be surrounded by a bunch of uh, knuckleheads who aren't trying to support what, you're, what you want to do, knowing that you don't live anywhere close to Hollywood, but you see yourself on the silver screen, right? The universe gives you that vision because it knows 
that you are capable. That's why you have the vision and not someone else. The universe knows you're not going to water down the vision when things get difficult. Okay? So think of the universe or your, your heart voice as the trainer that's going to help you get into shape so that you can then fulfill this vision. Because the person you are today is not the person you're going to need to be in order to fulfill that vision that you have in the back of your mind right now. And so as you follow your heart, that's like taking the instruction from the trainer. And the heart may say, you know, adopt a vegetarian diet or adopt a keto diet or, or you know, you have an idea of doing something. You don't know why, but it seems like it seems to be in alignment with where you want to go. So you follow it. It's going to be hard, but you follow it. Or it says, wake up at five o'clock in the morning and go and get 10,000 steps before work so that you get some movement in your body. Or it says, hey, it's time to have that hard conversation with your partner. You guys been very passive aggressive with each other. This can't keep going on any longer. Or it says, go and adopt a child, right? Mm -hmm. You never thought about adopting a child, but one day you wake up and that, that, that idea just resonates. And so each one of these little ideas is another stepping stone along your path and it may not seem to have anything to do with you being on the silver screen, starting your podcast or whatever the ultimate vision is, but it's giving you something that you are going to ultimately use along that path. And then eventually, when you get to the third act, that's where everything comes together and you see, oh, wow, that time I had to work in the toll booth, that time I had to teach dance at Equinox, that time I worked at the restaurant, it's all coming together. I learned people skills there. I learned money there. I learned how to budget here. I learned how to do, how to stretch a dollar there, you know, and then you find yourself using all of these different skills in whatever the purpose or path entails at this point in time. And you don't realize how those things were your unique advantage. So for instance, in my case, as you were asking about, when I first moved to Los Angeles to become a yoga teacher, I would bend over in a forward fold. I was about 10 inches from touching my toes. I was mm. the most inflexible person. <laughs> and I was like, there's no way I can be a yoga teacher. That's what my ego was telling me. You know, I can't do this. But my heart was saying, go and enroll in a yoga teacher training and just see what happens. Maybe you'll get more flexible. I don't know. So I do that. And I'm in there with this secret, like, guys, I'm not that flexible. I hope nobody found out. Nobody said anything, <laughs> actually. When I graduated, my flexibility improved a little bit, but I was still a good five inches from touching my toes. So I just start hustling, man. I just start hustling, going around, trying to substitute people's yoga classes. And all the while, I couldn't demonstrate the poses because I couldn't do them properly. And wow. so what ended up happening was I became really expert at articulation. I could talk you through a pose without actually having to do it myself. Ooh. And I realized that was a unique advantage of mine because most people who come to yoga classes, they can't touch their toes. So they were able to relate to me and I was able to speak to them on their level as opposed to the teachers who could kiss their own ass. Everybody hated them because <laughs> they always wanted to show off. Right. So that ended up being the reason why I became one of the most popular yoga teachers in, in Los Angeles. And I remember being on a hike at Runyon Canyon one day with my buddy who helped me, who helped mentor me in, in yoga. He said something to me that stopped me in my tracks. He said, how does it feel 
to be the most, one of the most popular yoga teachers in LA who can't touch their toes. And it was like, man, somebody just called me out of my secret. And I was like, oh man, <laughs> I didn't know what to say. I was looking for the perfect spiritual answer. And then he answered his own question. He said, look, a wise man once told me, you don't have to beat Michael Jordan in a game of basketball in order to coach him to a championship. That's very true. And everything sort of made sense after that point. One of my biggest inspirers and biggest inspirations, I'm not sure how familiar you are with tennis, but um, his name is Patrick Maradoglu. Okay. And he, and he never made it like in the tennis world, but like is literally the best coach like you've ever had. And so I totally resonate. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. With that. The other thing you said earlier on, it's kind of like me just reiterating it for people who are afraid to take risks that are associated with their what their heart is telling them to do. And also in combination with goal setting, I get really, really frustrated. I mean, internally frustrated, motivationally frustrated with people who come to me and say, you know, I have this goal. This thing is telling me to move into this direction. But you know, I'm just not ready to do it. And they don't really understand that the goal is actually not the reward. The lessons that you learn along the way are the most incredible. Like, I didn't go to school to be a mental health therapist. However, I have hundreds of people that want me to counsel them. And it really comes down to my ability to pay attention through the process of people's weight loss challenges, be it coming out, and the fact that I paid attention to my own process and processes along the way. So I just want to tell people out there, first of all, to read your book. But secondly, if you have a goal, if it's something you want to do, there's no reason you shouldn't I don't even want to say at least try. There's no reason you shouldn't go after it because there are so many great things that will come from you just, you know, stepping into that arena. I would add to that, not to shame yourself for whatever you're experiencing now in the meantime. Like you don't have to necessarily quit your job because it's not, it's not the movies or it's not a, you know, professional sport or something like that. Like that job that you have now could be, again, a stepping stone along the path. And I have a story about this. If you, if you have a little time, I used Give to, it to know, me. I love it. I love a good story. <laughs> so when I lived in New York, whenever there was a new whole foods 
it would be jam packed. This is exactly. back again in early two thousands. You lived in New York, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. When Whole so Foods first came out, it was like it was crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And they had like ten lanes, and everybody. And each lane had like thirty people in it. Exactly. And there was this guy at the Whole Foods who they had hired. This is like nineteen ninety nine or two thousand or something like that. So there was this guy that they had calling out your your lane number, and then he would direct you to a cashier. Mm-hmm. And it was this tall African-American gentleman. He looked at the time to be like in his 30s or 40s. And he had this deep baritone voice and this, this stately you know, presence. And he was, you didn't have to get him to get your attention because you were already paying attention to him. That was just his right. presence. He was like a boxing announcer or something. And I just remember standing in that line many, many times admiring this guy and just how fully he showed up to that job. Now, again, this is like the late 90s at, at a grocery store. So you can imagine this guy probably wasn't getting paid more than 10 or $12 an hour, right? If, if that. that. Yeah. If that. <laughs> in New York City. He was treating it like he was the maestro of Whole Foods. And then I remember being in my apartment one day, and I got the New York Times. I wasn't like a subscriber, but somehow, some way, I was like reading the New York Times on a Sunday. And I'm looking at above the fold, I'm just looking at the headlines, and I see something that literally shocks me. It's a photo of this guy from Whole Foods. So apparently, some editor of New York Times was also in that line, and she was appreciative and admired this guy. And she was so curious about his backstory, she decided to profile him. Oh. So he got a profile written up on the cover of the New York Times. Now, I don't know what opportunities came from that, but I can imagine that he probably got, you know, offers from radio shows and just all kinds of things because he didn't treat that like a throwaway job. He treated it like it was like, what he was destined to do. And this is what I tell people is that even while you're still in process, while you're still on your path and you don't feel like you've arrived at your destination, show up to the moment, every single moment. You may not have a world-class job. You may not have a world-class salary, but if you treat it in a world-class way, somebody's going to notice. And that could be the catalyst for you getting from where you are to where you can't even imagine that you can be. Yes, I love it. I have a bodybuilding competition coming up in six weeks. And, you know, there are plenty of times where I'm just like, right now I'm low on calories, but I'm high on spirit. And, you know, I'm just kind of like, you know what? Even though, like, today, like, I'm tired of my workout or I have to do, like, all this cardio, I just don't let that negativity of, oh, my gosh, I have to do it. I go in and I go for it. And I'd learn something new about myself every day. And I think the entire process as I'm doing this is I am calming myself down by going through this journey, which would seemingly be very chaotic and stressful. And so I just want to like inspire, motivate people to show up, whether it's that job or that meeting that you don't want to go to. If you're going to commit, commit. I call it like the tough trainer alert. Like if if you come into a workout with me, commit to the workout, commit to the workout, even if it's a struggle, because the end, everyone can tell you who like completed insanity. They're like, 
it was so fucking hard, but when I finished that final fit test and I got my t-shirt, it's a joyful experience. And that really is what it can be like across the board if you follow your heart. All right, let's dive into the book. When is it coming out? Where can people find you? And then I have one final question after you tell us that. Well, first of all, I want to say that the whole time we've been having this conversation, I'm looking at you and I'm going, this guy looks like a fucking Marvel character. He's like so- <laughs> That's the goal. <laughs> He's so ripped. Is he bodybuilding now? What's going on? So I just want to say that it's Thank noticeable. You. Congratulations. And, Thank you. Uh, and now it makes sense what you're saying. But yeah, the book is, is called Travel Light. It's the principles of spiritual minimalism and it's everywhere books are sold. You know, people can find it in any place you like to get your books. And you can obviously follow me on the socials, Light Watkins and uh, lightwatkins.com is the website. Yep. And we'll put it in our show notes too. Okay. Last and final question beyond, well, first I want to say thank you so much. Like this was very inspirational. It just, it made me feel so good. And I don't know. Like, I just love the fact that you took my class before. It gives me all the feels. I want you to close my podcast out for me today. Okay. And telling people how they can trust and believe in who they are. I'll share a story from the book, Travel Light. We have this idea of hell yes. You know, when people hear, you know, if something is a hell yes, you should do it. Versus when something is a no, then you shouldn't do it. And that's kind of, that's like a big catchphrase in, in motivational speaking these days. Go for the hell yes. And what I say in the book is that hell yeses are actually easy to do that what you really want to focus on because the hell yeses are they're automated you're going to do those because those are obvious what you really want is you want those scary yeses you want to look at those scary yeses and move in that direction and a scary yes may be completing the entire insanity program it's like <laughs> it's like you know again when you're in your most rested state you can envision yourself doing that but then when life gets busy and your job is hectic. It's so easy to talk yourself out of that, thinking you don't have what it takes to, to do it, the schedule, the time, the energy, the effort, whatever. But that's what makes it a scary yes. That's what makes it mm. a heart-led initiative, a, a leap of faith, if you will. And so if you can just condition yourself to take one of those once every couple of months, and you don't have to start with a leap of faith. I say start with a hop of faith, a little mm. thing. If you're walking to school or work and something inside says, take a right. You always take a left here, take a right. and Just, you know, go the scenic route. Follow that. If something says, compliment the person in line in front of you, compliment their shoes because you keep staring at them, you keep admiring them. Just say, hey, that's a nice choice of shoes. Follow that, Right. If your heart says, get the almond milk with your espresso instead of the, the, the oat milk, follow that and just keep following these little things as much as you can. And then over time, you will start to find yourself just creating a lifestyle around it. And that's how you can trust and believe in who you truly are beyond the surface level ego voice telling you that you need to do things for recognition and instead doing things just because you're hearing it and feeling it in your heart. That is enough. You don't need anything more than that. Light, thank you so much for being on the show. You're awesome. Thank you, bro. I really appreciate you having me.